Welcome to Influence Me, a series of podcasts where the prime focus is leadership. I'm Assistant Commissioner Andrew Short, and I'm going to be hosting a series of podcasts where I get to interview a variety of guests, both internal and external to QFES. The topic is something extremely important to us, and one that is central to the success of QFES. I want to talk with these guests about leadership, and I want to learn more about leadership from the thoughts and experiences of others. I want to be influenced. Sean Pogan has been a member of the SES since February 2011 and is currently the local controller for the Western Downs Regional Council. Sean has developed into a natural leader and is well respected by her peers and subordinates. Sean has proved that gender is no barrier within the SES and clearly displayed this during the recent response to the flooding within the Western Downs. Sean has on numerous occasions stepped up and excelled in leading, mentoring and teaching members within the Southwest region on a varying range of functions that the region is responsible for. To support the community in times of need, Sean regularly travels around the Western Downs ensuring that the groups are capable of achieving the needs of the community and is well supported by the Western Downs Regional Council as an unpaid volunteer. Sean, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on this podcast. I note that we're doing this over the phone. Normally I do these things face to face, but you're so far out there, we, uh, we agreed that we'd try it on the phone. So I hope this works. How, how's your day going? Absolutely fabulous today, Andrew. Thank you very much for asking. Well, you and I have spoken a little bit. I saw you the other day at the International Women's Day function. It was good to catch up briefly with you. You expressed to me that you've got an interest in adaptive leadership. As you know, this podcast is about leadership and exploring aspects of leadership that have to happen correctly for leaders to be successful. Can you tell me, firstly, how would you describe adaptive leadership? Adaptive leadership is rolling with the punches, being flexible, being able to adapt to any situation or person within a role that you play, whether it be a mother, an employee, an employer, a coach, a team member or simply a volunteer. It's funny language because when people say adaptive leadership, I think situational leadership. And I know that there are some differences, but my understanding is that there are very very much some similarities with adaptive leadership. Have you seen examples of where a bit of adaptive leadership was required for a certain situation and not applied? Oh yeah, for sure. I've uh, I've seen it within my group. So I, I currently run uh, seven groups out here in the Western Downs within SES as an example. And I have a bit of everything amongst them. So I have one that's very laissez-faire, sort of very laid back and casual. And it works to a certain degree for our members. They sort of all work together as one. They build their own morale, they take charge and work very well as a team. I guess that the downfall of that we find at times is that they get very complacent because they do the same thing together, they know it inside and out. It can actually breed boredom to a certain degree when they're doing things. So we like to shake it up a little bit and use a little bit of uh, democratic at times where they do take ownership, but you play a part as a leader as well. I even like to pour a little bit of that autocratic in there where when times are tough or they, they're really informed or the decisions are tough, that you step up as a leader and make that decision for them that, that they can all um, comply with. How do you find it when you have to make that shift? Uh, you've been operating in a certain way as a leader, uh, using a certain approach or style, and then all of a sudden the situation moves pretty quickly or changes. Do you find that that transition can be clean or can it be sometimes difficult? It can 
can be a bit of both. Or I take a bit from my husband with regards to that, where I stop and think when I have to change. I go, oh, breathe. My husband says, breathe. I take a second to breathe, uh, readjust. I think about stuff and the way that things are going to handle, and then I delve into the best of my ability, I guess. Always with a, a strong leadership role in confidence. It's always good if your leader is confident and they have the ability to empower and uplift with that confidence when, when things change. Yeah. The, now, you mentioned the, ter- you mentioned the word breathe or the term need to breathe. That, to me, links or is an example of leaders who have got good self-awareness. My experience has been the, the, the very fact you said that, the very fact that you expressed that there was a moment where you had to just check yourself. These are such incredibly important things. Do, do you think that self-awareness is a, a centrally important uh, skill for a leader? Look, it certainly is. You need to be self-aware, but you also need to, to check reality in on yourself at times. We're only human. We do make errors and mistakes, and whether people see it as a sign of weakness or not is irrelevant. It, there is no weakness to ask for help as a, even as a leader, but it's also nice to, to show the other side of leadership. You, you can be strong, you can be dominant, you can be very independent, and you can lead the way, but it's also okay to show people that it is okay to ask for assistance and help. And I think that's really important with, with regards to your self-awareness. I love how you just described it. Uh, Michael Grinder, who is one of the people in my life who has been instrumental in me continuing to learn, he talks about how there's two things, that a, a leader, for a leader to be successful, they need self-awareness and they need self-honesty to go with that. And I think you picked up on that uh, in, in your statement around um, you know, checking yourself at times and, and maybe we haven't uh, got it right. Interestingly, some of the older styles of leadership which promote that uh, a leader can never be wrong, a leader's always got to be uh, confident and, uh, and clear and never backtrack or never change their mind. I think these are not old, old notions. What do you think? I agree with you totally. Like, you've got to show your hand as a leader. Um, yes, you need to be strong, but you do have to show your hand. You do have to show that it is, it is okay to change your mind. It is okay to adapt. It is okay to say, hey, listen, I've, I've messed up or let's try this because this isn't working. I get up every morning with the notion that I'm here to make a difference to somebody. Well, to make a difference, I need to look at improving myself every day. So I find ways every single day. There's always room for improvement, no matter what you're doing, what role you're in, whether it be a mother or a wife or a leader in some form or an employer. There is always, always room for improvement. And I think as you grow and you develop personally within the, the areas of your life and with other people, they too see it and they, they find that it's perfectly okay to, to be open and transparent and communicate as such. If you go online and look at the different models that are available around adaptive leadership, they all commonly have the notion of lifelong learning as being central to a successful adaptive leader. And what you've just described, I think, is exactly that. Given that you've landed where you are as a leader right now in terms of your principles, were there people or some individuals in your life maybe some time ago, maybe more recently, who have a, have influenced this for you? Oh, look, I have I have four favourite men in my life. Yes, they are men and they are truly wonderful. Um, my father, my, my grandfather, and 
my uncle who's recently passed, but my husband. They've all given me inspiration, I guess, and the ability to find the confidence, the self-awareness, to continually better myself. I have a real hunger for knowledge and a thirst daily, um, which I, I put back to my grandfather. He always took the time as a child and even as a young adult with my own young family to take the time. I asked a hundred million questions as a child. I think I still do as an adult. It drives people mental, but... To me, it's, it's improving it's, uh, your self-awareness. It's, it's really boosting your confidence and, and making you a better person each and every day. Wonderful, and I, I agree entirely with what you just outlined. I want to shift again. I want to, I want to focus on, given that you, you, you've been in a leadership role for some time, you would see younger leaders coming, you know, uh, continually coming through. Uh, what's your approach to them? How do you judge where they're at and what they might need? And how do you communicate that to them? Exactly that, uh, Andrew. I communicate with them. I talk to them. I take the time. And something very important since I've learned uh, being a part of the SES is listen and hear. And I was probably one many years ago that would listen but did not hear. To listen is one thing to put in one ear and out the other. To hear is actually to take notice, take the time and the care and, and the drive and the passion and to action that. So to listen to someone and actually hear them to what they need, you can then empower them, encourage them and uplift them to be the best that they can be, the best that they want to be and help them strive to their goals. Do you find when you engage with them in that very honest manner that, it, that this helps you in building trust between you and them? I'd like to think so. I, um, I have a, a very good rapport with a lot of the leaders that I'm coming through. And as you're probably aware, I've put a couple of female leaders amongst our groups of late and they're, they're thriving. Um, women are obviously talkers more so than men, but it's very easy to, to talk to a, a male leader as well when they have a, a drive or a goal on where they want to be. I've got a, a question for you, which is... Uh, and you can take time to think about this if you need to. Is there any advice that you now, where you are in your life as a leader, any advice that you would give a younger version of yourself? Be true to yourself. Be true to yourself and strive for what you believe in. Don't let anyone ever shatter your goals. And if you're, in a point, you're at a point that you feel that someone is, then talk to me, give me a call, and I'll put you right back up there and keep you on track. Now let's, let's move into the final phase, which is these five questions I, I mentioned to you. They don't require um, a long answer, uh, and I acknowledge that the notion that females may choose to use more words than males. I, I don't know whether that's been actually scientifically proven, but you certainly hear it mentioned all the time. So th these five questions are about leadership, about communication in leadership, but again, there's no right or wrong answer with them. So the first question is, uh, what do you wish you really understood? Probably parenting, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> parenting, parenting is a challenge every single day of your life, no matter how old your children are. And sometimes you think, why am I a parent or why, do you, why am I here? And you'll never, ever regret it and you'll never, ever um, not want your children. But sometimes it is a question you, you say, why? What parenting? <laughs> I've actually I've actually heard leaders talk about their own experience of parenting as being central to the development as a leader. Yeah, 
So it's yeah. it's interesting that you say that, and not uh, not too far from the truth that uh, you know some of the some of the themes and concepts about leadership uh, they, they play out within your own family, within your own kids, within uh, between within your own relationships. The second question um, is, what do you wish that other people understood about you? I wish they understood at times my honesty and op openness. Some days I don't have a filter, and that's probably a weakness of mine, and I acknowledge that. But a spade's a spade with me. There's black and white, very little there's any grey, which is probably another downfall. But once you sort of get to know me and know that's sort of where I sit with things, there is really never an issue in a, in a relationship that you form with me, whether it's a friendship or a working relationship. Even though you know who you are now and, and you mentioned and you use the term uh, black and white, um, have you shifted over time? Uh, maybe using different timings, or you've—if you feel like you're going to come in too strong—that you've just taken a bit to, you know, to balance yourself before you go in. Is that changed for you, or you, or do you feel you like you're probably close to that person you were a long time ago? No, no, I think certainly, Andrew, that it, it's changed. I guess one great example about that is people ask my opinion on something. And I'm not one to fluff it and, and gloss it. You know, it, it is what it is, whether it's black, white, good, bad or indifferent. And I now stop and I breathe and I say to them a second time, are you sure you want my opinion? Yeah. And they chuckle and go, yes, Sean. <laughs> which which is, it's, it's incredibly important that sometimes we, we, want to, we want to be given permission by people yeah. so that we know that we're not going to um, uh, offend them or upset them. I, I, it's something I do myself yeah, where you say, do you, do you really want to know what I'm thinking? And, and pe most people do. Now, the, um, the third uh, question, what's the strangest question anyone's ever asked you? Where did I park my boat, I guess? <laughs> where do you, you've been asked, where, where do I park my boat? You've yeah, been, and yeah. I say to people, why are you asking me where I park my boat? That's a bit strange. And they go, what do you mean? And I said, well, you're more a boat. Yeah. I said, you don't park one, you park a car. Exactly. Uh, good, 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 good answer. Uh, question four, what type of leader do you prefer? I prefer an adaptive leader, yeah. one that can roll with the punches, that can have a little bit of all leadership style, that can work very well under pressure and at the same time remains fairly calm, full of confidence and can still uplift and empower anyone around them at the same time. It's the same type of leader I like. Uh, the fifth and final question, and this one pertains to uh, you know, communication within leadership. How do you prefer to deliver bad news? In person, by text message, or by carrier pigeon? Certainly in person. I think um, I would like to receive bad news in person if it, is, if it is at all possible. You have the ability to comfort somebody to offer assistance of any kind at that stage and they know face to face that you are genuine and that you are terribly sorry or sympathetic for whatever is going on. They can actually read it on you. I think it's really important that you do give it to them face to face. Yeah, good, good, good answer. That uh, brings us to our close and I thank you for agreeing to participate in this podcast with me, Sean. I love the work you're doing out there because I know that you've got a lot of people out there who believe in you. And in the end, our people want to believe in something. I think you've got that happening out there for you. And I uh, respect the work that you've done and the work that you continue to do 
to provide uh, the best service to our communities that we can. So um, thank you and I wish you a great day. Thank you very much for your time too, Andrew. You have a fabulous one as well.